0: Hi Real Life Church, Stuart Crane here. Um, this morning we're going to be looking at the third part in our series on the Apostles' Creed. Just to let you know that next week we have a guest speaker coming to talk to us, so we'll be doing something a little bit different. That's something to look forward to um, for next Sunday. But um, I hope you guys are all well. I hope you've been doing well. Just some things we've been up to here. Melanie and I, we've been actually reading a book Um, together. called This one called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, which is all about uh, living our life the way Jesus uh, would live, have us live. And we found it really helpful just to both read it together and we started talking about it, talking about the rhythms of our life, things we put in our life, any adjustments, any course corrections that need to be uh, made for us. And I would just recommend that to you. If you want something a little bit different, in this uh, period of lockdown living we're in, I want to read something. Uh, Try this one, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Now, we're back into uh, the Apostles' Creed. Uh, We're looking at this uh, ancient statement of faith as part of our kind of discipleship series we've been doing. We looked at the Ten Commandments for Christmas and then we looked at the Lord's Prayer after Christmas and now we're into the Apostles' Creed. And about 100 years ago, 200 years ago, those three things together formed the basic discipleship for the church and so we decided we were going to have a little look into them what we could learn from those um, three things and how we could grow out of them and we're in the apostles creed now and we're looking at this ancient statement of faith which was originally uh, used as a baptismal Um, confession. So when individuals got baptised as they became members of the church, confessed their faith in Jesus, they would speak out this creed. And it was so named the Apostles Creed because the the content of it could be traced back to the original 12 disciples, the apostles of Jesus, and what they taught. So it was just handing on the teachings of Jesus to the church. And so we're looking up now and it's got particular relevance for us um, because these are things we can be certain of in the uncertain times we're living in. And so we're taking a look at this ancient statement of faith and we're looking at the truths in there and realising these are things we can hold on to no matter what is happening around us in the world with the uncertainty of COVID-19 and what the future holds. These are truths that we can hold on to uh, and stand on and build our lives on. So let me just read the creed to you and then we'll look at the next um, section together. It says this, I believe in God, Uh, we've been looking at the first week. We looked at those first two words, I believe, and what that meant for us, that it was a personal statement of faith that no one could say this for you. You had to say it for yourself. We looked at what belief meant, and faith meant an agreement, and a trust in what was being said, and a commitment to it, and an obedience in following that. And then in the second week, um, last week, we looked at I believe in God the Father, and we looked at God the Father as uh, the first member of the Trinity. We talked about what the Trinity is, and a key Uh, belief for the Christian faith being that there is one God. He is three persons, each person fully God, Father, Son, Spirit. And but when we focused on God the Father and we saw that he was both, he was Father, he was almighty, powerful, and he was creator, creator of everything that we see. And we looked in our lockdown living occupation that we were going to get to know God the Father in prayer and also look at being creative in this sort of situation we find ourselves in and the time we have on our hands. And now we're going to get into week number three, which is I believe in God the Son. And we're going to be looking at the next line of the creed, which says this. It says, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And this morning, I want to look at four things that we can be certain of in uncertain times from this life, uh, from this line in the creeds, We've got Jesus, we've got Christ, we've got Son, and we've got Lord. And we're going to go through um, all four of them. The first one, Jesus. So the first thing we can be certain of is that Jesus was an historical person. Jesus was an historical person. Um, When we talk about Jesus, we're talking about a figure from history. Jesus um, was a common Jewish name at the time. He was a rabbi um, who lived in first century, the area now we now call Israel under the reign of Tiberius Caesar. He preached and he taught in that area and then ultimately he was executed under the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. And this truth about who Jesus is is supported by uh, Christian scholars, historians, sources, as well as those who would not claim that they'd be Christian um, scholars, historians and sources as well. This is what we would probably, from a historical point of view, be considered an undisputed fact, that a man named Jesus lived in that particular part of the world at that particular part of the time, and ultimately he was killed by crucifixion. So this reminds us that Jesus was completely and fully man. He was a man just like uh, me. He lived uh, in that area and he will experience all that we've experienced in terms of life and growing up and eating and drinking and sleeping and all those things. However, he was no ordinary man. He was no ordinary man. And that is that Jesus is the centre of the Christian faith. He is the core of Christianity. He is the focus of everything that Christians uh, believe. Christianity is not about... A series of guidelines, or rules or um, kind of things we should just be thinking about. The centre of Christianity is a person and that person is Jesus Christ. Simply put, the Christian faith is all about him. And as we put him at the centre of the Christian faith, he's also actually at the centre of the Apostles' Creed. Because if you look at the Apostles' Creed, I know some of you have been writing it out and sticking it up. We've seen the pictures on social media. Jesus dominates the creed the section about him is the large center section of the creed as he is the center of the Christian faith he's the center of the creed and you could look at the creed with a an introduction and a conclusion and then a large section about Jesus in the middle and so he dominates that and there's lots about him in that and to be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus To be a Christian is to be someone who is focused on Jesus, someone who looks to Jesus. It's not simply acknowledging him, acknowledging his name and recognising, oh yeah, there was a, a guy, Jesus, or even saying his name at certain times, like thank you, Jesus, praise Jesus, or whatever that is. It's about following and being committed on him and him alone. And so we start with Jesus as a historical man. But no ordinary man, and then the rest of the creed lines out kind of expand on that. So the second thing we can be certain of in these uncertain times is that Jesus is the Christ. It says in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in Jesus Christ. Now, when we think about Christ, first thing we've got to say is this is not his surname. This is not his surname. Christ is a title. It is a title that Jesus has. Christ is a Greek word, a Greek word um, that's akin to the Hebrew word for Messiah. So Christ just means Messiah. If you read John's Gospel, John 1:41, he actually says that, outlines that to his readers who might not have been familiar with that. Actually, the Christ is just the Messiah. And so this word Messiah, um, this Hebrew word means to be anointed. That is with oil the anointed one. And going back into our Old Testaments, we see that the anointing uh, with oil was something that uh, was used to signify an individual was being set apart by God for an important purpose. Set apart by God for an important purpose. So we find it being used uh, on prophets We find it being used on priests, particularly the high priest and also on kings. And so you've got these individuals who've been set apart by God for significant roles with his people who were anointed um, with oil. And this idea of the Messiah is that one who would come as the anointed one from God who would be the deliverer. Of God's people he would be the deliverer of God's people and we see this in many Old Testament prophecies uh, there's one particularly in Daniel I'm going to read to you it says this Daniel 7 verse 13 it says the prophet says in my vision that night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence he was given authority glory and sovereign power all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed and in the jewish thought that was pointing towards a coming messiah one that they were looking for when they were hoping um to come and save them. And so the idea of the Messiah was uh, the divinely appointed King of Israel who would one day save them uh, from their enemies. And so that's what they were looking for. They were looking for a descendant of David who would then come in and usher in this golden age. And at the time of Jesus, this was particularly focused on the Romans because they were the the occupying force. They were the bad guys at the time. They were the enemy of God's people. They were the ones around that they wanted out of their nation. So it was very much focused on someone who would come and overthrow the Romans. And so when we say Jesus Christ, we are saying he is the long-awaited Messiah that we read about in our Old Testament. He's the one that the Jewish people were looking forward to. He's the one that the Old Testament prophecies point towards. And we see this in the New Testament. One of Jesus' friends, his followers, one of the disciples called uh, Peter, he was challenged by Jesus in Matthew 16. And he basically said to Peter, Jesus said to him, who do you, Peter, say I am? And Peter responded with these words, well, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. You are the one we've been waiting for, one that all Israel have been waiting for for many, many hundred years. You are the one. And so when Jesus came, he was the one who came as God's deliverer for his people. But it wasn't just simply to defeat the Romans, which is what the kind of current thought was. Are you going to just kick out the Romans and we're going to carry on with them? Jesus came to deliver his people from something far bigger, something far more dangerous, something far more serious. And that was sin and death. Jesus came to deliver his people from sin and death because our biggest problem, their biggest problem was the fact that people stood under God's wrath, God's righteous judgment, because we've all sinned. We've all rebelled against God. We've all done things wrong. And as a result, a good and right, holy God should punish us for the things that we've done. But Jesus came and said, no, I will deliver you from that. I will deal with that. And that's the essence of the Christian message is that we have a God who loves us, who made us, who knows us, who has a plan for us. But despite that, we have uh, sinned. We've rebelled against him. We've done things that we shouldn't have done. We haven't done things we should have done. We've fallen short of that standard. And then Jesus comes. And he dies in our place, takes the punishment that we deserve for our sins. He rises from death. He offers us forgiveness and says, you can come and go God for yourself. Come follow me. I'll introduce you to my father in heaven and that you can be free from that. You can be free from the consequences of sin. And the Christian message is basically how you are going to respond to that? And so Jesus not only was a historical man, but he was God's anointed deliverer for his people. Now, the third thing, that we see is that, um, that we can be certain of in these uncertain times, is Jesus is God the Son. Jesus is God the Son. It says, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's Son. And so last week we looked at the Trinity, we looked at the Father as the first person of the Trinity, and now we come to Jesus as the Son, the second member of the Trinity. And we see this borne out as Jesus comes on the scene Um, in the New Testament he had a unique relationship with his father in heaven he had a unique relationship with God the father we see this at his baptism where he's baptized by John in the river Jordan he comes out and we get um, the booming voice of his father it said this this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased that didn't happen to anyone else When they were baptised, it happened just to Jesus. We see in the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus taught his followers, when they said, teach us how to pray, he says, you start with Father. We looked at this in our Teachers to Pray series. This was a revolutionary statement. But Jesus said, actually, this is how you approach God. This is how I approach God. You're in me. You come with me. This is how you are to approach God. Even in Jesus' death, he showed his unique relationship with his father. When he was dying on the cross, he says things like this. He says, Father... Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing when they were executing him. And finally, just before his death, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus, as God the Son, has a unique relationship with God the Father. And in doing this, by Jesus speaking like this and those things happen, he was effectively claiming to be God. That's what he is. Jesus not only was fully man, as a historical figure, he was also fully God, fully man, and fully God. He is co-equal, co-eternal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. We'll get to him later on in the creed, but he is co-eternal, co-equal with God um, of same substance and essence. He always has been and always will be the Son with that relationship to God the Father. And even the creed kind of bears it out when it talks about God's only Son. It's point of that unique statement as Jesus Christ as God the Son. Now, all children... I'm sorry, all believers are children of God, but there is a specific, unique role for Jesus as God the Son. We are adopted into his family. We get to join that. We get to call him Father. But only Jesus is the Son of God with that uh, unique relationship. And this is borne out as we read through the rest of our New Testament. We find uh, that the early church preached that the only way people could be saved from their sin is, is in the name of Jesus. We find that in the book of Acts, chapter 4. But we also know, if we go back to our Old Testament, the only person who can save is God. And so even the early church were pointing out you, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He's the one you need to look, for, look to for salvation, because if he wasn't God, he can't save you. And the early church worshipped Jesus as God, knowing that he alone is worthy of our praise. And the Old Testament's very clear, the only person who's worthy of praise is God alone. And so Jesus is God. He is the definitive revelation of God to man because he is both fully God in that he represents God to man but he's also fully man in representing man back to God and that's what qualifies him to be the savior the deliverer the Christ of his people the final thing that we can be certain of in these uncertain times is that Jesus is Lord Jesus is all I believe in Jesus Christ his only son our Lord And this was a title that was given to Jesus from very early on after his ascension, we find even in Acts chapter 2 with the early church, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the the, the interesting the creed says our Lord. So this is a particular reference um, to us as believers, but it also encompasses everything. So, what does it mean for Jesus to be our Lord? Well, it means three things. The first one it means ownership. If Jesus is Lord, He has claim over every area of our lives. Our home, our bank account, our job, our family, our car, our hopes, our dreams. Everything, Jesus has a claim over in because ultimately everything belongs to him. Everything. There is nothing in this world, in this universe where Jesus cannot say that is mine. That belongs to me because he is over all things. We and our role are merely stewards, caretakers, guardians of what God has given us. Ultimately, it all belongs to him. But um, Apostle Paul says in one Corinthians that we've actually been bought, purchased with a price, which is the blood of Jesus. His death purchases us. So Jesus being our Lord means an ownership over our lives. He owns everything in it. The second thing it means is he has authority over us. For us to say Jesus is Lord, he has authority over it. So he he has the role of a divine king who gets to rule and have authority over our life and call the shots. And what's in there's nothing outside his authority. There is no uh, government, no institution, no nation. That can say they are outside the authority of God he's the one who gets to make the rules he's the one who gets to set what is right and what is wrong uh, we don't get to do that he does we are uh, he is not subject to us we are subject to him. We are his subject. One of the common titles you find for Christians uh, in the New Testament is uh, servants. And that's a very strong word that we were servants. Sometimes it's even translated slaves, but actually that's what we are. We are servants of Jesus. We do his bidding. He is our master. We are the servants. So when he tells us to go, we go. And when he says to stay, we stay and everything else. Even Jesus, when he spoke to his early followers, he gave them a very simple. Command, he just said, Follow me, follow me. He said, Leave what you're doing, your homes, your jobs, everything. You come, follow me, and that shows his authority. His command, he gets to do that um, because he is Lord. And the final thing when we say Jesus is Lord means yeah, it's his deity, it points to him as being. God. If we go back into our Old Testaments, if you read the English translation, the name of God, the Hebrew name of God, Yahweh, um, is translated actually in our Old Testaments as Lord. It's capitalized L-O-R-D. You can go and find that and then it comes up time and time again. And so for the um, Old Testament believers, Lord was just another way of saying God. They didn't want to use God's actual name. It was too holy. So they had this other kind of way of saying it. Um, And so it just means Lord. So Lord means God. So when we say Jesus Christ is Lord, we're saying he's God, which we've already covered in him being God the Son, but it's proclaimed again by just giving him this title Lord. And as we go through our New Testament, we find it again and again, how Jesus is referred to as the Lord. It is a title for him. He is God, uh, which means he carries not just authority, but divine authority. He carries God's authority in what he says and does. And in some ways, the early church, the the phrase Jesus is Lord, was basically a summary of the gospel message. Not Caesar is Lord, not the Roman kind of power is Lord over it. Jesus is Lord. He's the one we follow. He has um, ownership of us. He has the authority over us because he is God over us. And so to sum up where we've got to, what does this Creed remind us about who Jesus is? Well it starts with he's both fully man, historical figure, who lived like us on the earth, but he's also fully God, the second member of the Trinity, co-equal and co-eternal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He is the chosen deliverer of God's people who will come and save us from the biggest problem, the ultimate enemy of sin and death. He is the Lord of all with complete divine authority. He is the centre of the Christian faith. In fact, he's the centre of world history and world thought even our dating system is divided around his birth he is the one that who alone that we should worship and adore and submit our lives to and give that and he is the one that we should put our focus and our heart on now if we're on a normal sunday this is the point i'd kind of bring the band back and we'd get into some worship and singing which unfortunately we can't do it but i look forward to the day when we can get back to that but that is who jesus is and when we say the creed we say i believe in jesus christ his only son, our Lord. We are proclaiming those truths and we are holding on to certain things about who he is in these uncertain times. Um, let me finish now. Let's just do a little bit of application in our lockdown living. Now, I've really only got one point uh, that I want to put to you today, but I want to apply it to two different groups. So it's simply this. What's our application to this in lockdown living? And that is to know Jesus as your saviour and Lord. Know Jesus as your saviour and Lord. Now, if you're not a believer and you're watching this you know you're not a christian Uh, thank you so much for sitting through and listening to this Um, i need to tell you something i need to say that there is a god who made you he made everything you see and everything you know about in this world and he is the rightful ruler of everything and the reality is you have rebelled against his rule rebelled against his authority you have sinned the bible says and how do i know that well because you're human That's how I know. And it's true for all of us who live on the earth. There are things that you have said and thought and done which are wrong before him. There are things that you haven't thought, said and done that you should have, which are wrong before him. And which means that you are under his right judgment for all those things. But the good news is we have Jesus who came to earth as a man, fully God, but also fully man. He lived a perfect life. He didn't he didn't deserve any punishment what he did, but he died in our place for our sins on the cross. Then he rose bodily from death and is now ruling and reigning in splendor. And he took that punishment that we deserve. And now he is ruling, reigning, the rightful king. And he has made an offer to all of us. And says, what do you need to do? Well, you need to repent, which means turn around. You need to stop living your own way and you need to put your faith and trust in me. You need to accept me as Lord of everything, Lord of your life with a rightful claim on it. You need to accept my death on the cross in your place, your sinner, And you need to receive the forgiveness that I'm offering you um, for you at this time. And you need to commit your life from this day forth into following him. And you need to accept me as Saviour and Lord. And that is the single most important decision that you will ever make in how you respond to Jesus. It's more important than where you're going to live, job you gonna do, who you're going to marry, kids, everything. This is the biggest thing. And so if you are not a Christian, you're watching. It, I encourage you, I urge you, I plead with you, accept Jesus as your Saviour and Lord. Turn away from living your own way of life and put your faith and trust in him. If you're a Christian and you're listening to this um, I've got some things for you for lockdown living that I want to make some suggestions. Um, as I've said, we're not going to be going back to the Apostles' Creed next week because so we've got a guest speaker. The week after, we've got Melanie doing that. So we've got a couple of weeks kind of break here. So I want to do some suggestions that you can work out over the next two weeks. The first one is, I'd love you to grab your Bible and read a gospel. Read a gospel and look at Jesus. Maybe I suggest try with the, start with the gospel of Mark. Maybe just start with him, read a, a chapter a day. And just get into the gospel. And while you're reading this gospel, while we'll ask yourself some questions. We'll ask yourself some questions about Jesus. The questions can be this: It could be, what is Jesus like as both man and God? Where do you see him as man? Where do you see him as God? Um, the other day we read um, the story of Jesus calming the storm uh, with our boys, and actually in that story we see Jesus as man. Completely exhausted from a busy day, fast asleep uh, in the front of the boat as the storm comes up. And then we see Jesus as God as he stands up in the midst of his frightened friends and just says to the storm, Be still. And it happens in a moment. And you're like, and the disciples are like, Wow, who is this man? Read through your gospel and ask yourself, where do you see it? Make some notes along the way. Maybe you want to read through it and say, actually, how does Jesus save, heal, and deliver? How does he bring that, um, the fact that he is the Christ to people? Where do we see that in the story? Where is it happening? How's that going on? You might want to read it with the eye think, how is Jesus worthy of worship? What is happening in the story that would cause my, stir my heart to worship him more? Maybe you want to pick one of those questions. And as you read through the gospel, ask yourself Then make some notes on that. Kind of get into it and fill your hearts with who Jesus is in. Secondly, I want to suggest you is get some worship songs together. Get some worship songs together that are about Jesus. Maybe make a little playlist and just play it to yourself daily. There's some cracking ones out there. And find them. If you're not sure, ask in your life group. Ask, like, hey, what good songs are you listening to? Find the videos on YouTube play them, turn them up loud, sing along, get the truth about who Jesus is into your heart. And then maybe this week in life group, you could just be sharing how that's going. What have you read in your gospel account? What's happening there? What have you seen about Jesus that just has stirred your heart? How have you seen him as the Christ, as God's only son, as our Lord? And how has that affected you? What songs are you listening to? There's some suggestions to help you with a lockdown living. We're going to finish now. I'm just going to pray Um, and then we're going to end our time together. So if you just want to close your eyes, I just want to say, Lord Jesus, we want to thank you Uh, for who you are, Lord. We want to thank you that you are both fully man and fully God. We want to thank you that you are the chosen deliverer for God's people. We thank you that you are Lord over all, Lord. We thank you that you came to earth, you died in our place, you rose from death. We thank you that you have offered us uh, forgiveness. We thank you for those who've accepted that. Thank you for my life, been transformed, Lord. Thank you that you you lead me, guide me, you watch over it. Thank you, Lord, um, that I get to follow you all the days of my life. God, I pray that you would give me a deeper revelation of who you are, uh, that I may know you better um, through this time. And uh, God's people said, Amen. Amen. That's about time, end of our time together. Next week, guest speaker, look forward to that. Uh, Last thing I've got to say is uh, wash your hands and stay close to Jesus.